0: Well good morning. Good morning, good morning. We're glad you're here. I tell you I love that last song because I'm not singing on my own and I'm not talking about you guys only. When we're singing that song that I'm chosen, I'm not forsaken, I am who you say I am, you're not just singing on your own authority, right? It's the Spirit of God on the inside of you that says, Amen, and that's right. By the blood of Jesus, right? So you got two witnesses. You got your own mouth, and you have the Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of us that says, Oh, yes, oh, yes. I love that feeling that He's he's, uh, proclaiming, Amen and Amen, as I sing the truth. All right, well, we have one announcement, and this is what it is. Uh, This Friday, it is a family movie night. This is a great age. If you have uh, kids uh, four, five to about 10, 11, if you uh, like cartoons, you can come if you're 50. I don't care. (laughs) I watch more more cartoons than most of you because I have four children. So, hey, I'll be there unless we have a fifth. (laughs) Join us. (laughs) Oh, this is my life. (laughs) August 9th, this Friday, Snacks and Movie here at the church from 630 to 830 p.m., Oh, as I said before, my wife is better at announcements than I am. (laughs) Hope you're doing well. Let's honor and jump into the Word of God here. Turn your Bibles to Philemon, or Philemon, however you like to pronounce it. One page in the New Testament. Swipe in your apps, whatever works. Let me ask you a question. What are the ingredients of a great relationship? and when I mean great, you can't have great apart from God. What are the ingredients to a great relationship that may not have come as quickly to you when I said, what's the ingredients to a great gumbo? You would have said, no hesitation, but you got to think about it. Okay. All right. We need communication. We need this. We need this. We need that. Philemon, is a prototype of no matter where the relationship is. I don't care if it's broken, if the door is closed, if it's been dysfunctional and separated for years. God is bigger than that, and he can bring unity, whether it's total brokenness. Let me set this up for you guys so you know. Philemon is a wealthy man who lives in the area of Kalash. He had a slave. It was common. It was wrong, but it was common. There were about 60 million slaves worldwide at this time, Roman Empire. Most of them were not forced. Most of them were sold themselves into slavery because of debt. So he, is like a, 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 he wasn't a typical slave like we think of in our minds. Onesimus is in the house of a godly man, of a Christian man, in the area of Kalash. His name is Philemon. He steals and he takes off. Well, he, God has a plan for him. He finds Paul in Rome and becomes a Christian. And not only becomes a Christian, I'm quoting Paul, a beloved brother, profitable, which is what the name Onesimus means. And so Paul writes a one-page letter to his buddy, his friend, who he spent over a year with in Kalash, Philemon. And he says, listen, I'm going to send this letter and I'm going to send my heart with you. I want you to forgive him. I want you to mend this relationship because he's a brother in Christ now. And that, that surpasses, that trumps everything else. So this is where we are. So Philemon is a book about a person. It's about a family, and it's also about a runaway slave, Onesimus. So we're going to study this. This is part two. We're going to study this for a few weeks. So let's read Philemon 1 through 7, but I kind of had to give that back. History. Let me give you one other scripture to understand. You know, we read these books and we're like, okay, how does it connect with the Bible? Well, Onesimus is somewhere else in the Bible. He's from the era of colossians and he's mentioned right here. We find him in Colossians 4-7. The prison epistles, Paul wrote five books while he was under house arrest in Rome. He's going to send one of them, Philemon, with someone else with this book. So listen to this. He's mentioned right here, Colossians 4-7. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, he will tell you all the news about me. So he's bringing this letter, the Colossians letter, to them, plus he has Onesimus with him. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with who? There he is right there. This is in the same general area. It's like one is from Karen Crow and one is from Youngsville, like that. Does that put it in context? (laughs) Mashah? With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. A faithful and beloved brother who's one of you. So we see how their lives interact, not just about this one book, but their lives are connected in many ways. And I will say that is the healthy model. Amen. It's not just one connection we have with the church over here. There's multiple connections in the kingdom of God. All right, so here we are in Philemon. Let's read 1 through 7. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, we talked about last week. He was not a prisoner of Rome, nor a prisoner of circumstances, nor in that mess because of the Jews or because of the family he grew up in or was a victim in any way. He was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing in this world made him a victim. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? That's freedom, even though he's handcuffed to a Roman guard. You've got to find that. That's in Christ alone. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. Not a son anymore, a brother. Someone who has grown in the things of the Lord. To Philemon, our beloved friend and laborer. To the beloved Aphia, this is most probably his wife. Archibus, our fellow soldier, most probably his son, and to the church in your house are literally connected or next to your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stop there and give you some history before we jump into our main text. There are no church buildings in the Roman Empire because it's illegal, right? The reason why Paul is constantly talking about the church in your house He uses it four different times in the New Testament. It's because he had to. They were almost kind of underground churches. They were just communities who got together when they could and how they could. This is going on in America right now. I'm sorry, America right now. Another country right now. I'm I'm in touch with reality. We are in a building. This is a church building. (laughs) This is going on in a large country in the world right now, one of the largest, in fact. Where? China. You got it well over a billion people, close to a billion and a half. It's illegal unless it's a government-approved, which is fake, a government-approved church. Now, God's still moving. The, The people of God are growing. The house of God is growing. It's just that is not God's best plan. He just uses it. He's God. He's above all the problems in communism and everything else. But this is why Paul prayed and said, hey, pray for your government officials. Pray for the peace of your area. It's a lot easier to grow a church when you can just meet in a building and have coffee and hang out, right? So we thank God that we have these freedoms, and we remember the church that doesn't. This is the culture here. We don't even see churches come onto the scene until about the 3rd century. Why? Constantinople takes over, legalizes Christianity, then churches go popping up everywhere. So this is where we are and why it's in his house next to his house. Philemon was a wealthy man. He was a successful businessman. We know by the way Paul talks about him and his other mentions. So let's continue now that we have the whole picture. Verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and your faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become effective or bear fruit by the acknowledgement of every good work which is in you in Christ Jesus for you have great excuse me for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you if you want to understand Philemon, it, this is a great quote I read. This is about the character of one who forgives, the actions of one who forgives, and the motives of one who forgives. So let's look at the character of a forgiving man, of a man of integrity, of a man. Paul's not pulling punches, right? Is he trying to butter him up? Absolutely not. He says, "This is who you are." Onesim, uh, excuse me. This is who you are, Philemon. So let's look at this. You've got some notes there. Verse four. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. I thank my God. This is very common for Paul. See, Paul had been to the bottom. In fact, he had been so low that he had to be kicked off his donkey. And Jesus say, why are you persecuting me? Blinded, starving, in a room by himself. Zero ability to change his life. He was praying. And the Lord sent someone, touched him, gave him his ministry as as an apostle and all of these things. We see Paul, and the reason he's so thankful is he has been so low and so broken to powder. He's thankful for everything, for anything. He's a thankful person. That's what brokenness and brokenness alone will give you. Please understand, that's one of my personal testimonies. I've been a Christian since I was six years old. I did not understand how to love people the level I do now until I started this church. It's a testimony. The Lord has grown me in love. And thankfulness, I just, I, I, it had to happen. It had, that's God's plan. Let's look at these scriptures right here, how Paul, this is his common theme. Romans eight. First, I thank my God. What? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. We love the Romans. Look at them. So look at this other one right here. This is first Corinthians. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Jesus Christ. In Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Number one on your notes. Thankfulness is the first step to healthy relationships. There is no second step without thankfulness, right? I and mean, then y'all know this. There is no second step in relationships unless you're truly deeply thankful for that person, for that person God's brought in your life, the good, bad, and the ugly. if you think about all your relationships you have, some super healthy, some not as healthy, you think about your level of thankfulness for them, it will, if you increase that, it will increase the next steps in your relationship to be closer. It will change the relationship you have with them. Let's go to 2 Timothy. I want to show you a scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. This is talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, and i got to be careful not get on a limb on, way too far out on a limb. Okay, the spirit of the Antichrist, you have the devil himself who is the, the spirit of the Antichrist, everything opposite Christ is. Then you have this attitude or culture in a society, wherever it is, it existed uh, some in Timothy's time, that is like this also. And here's a description of it. For men will be lovers of themselves... Lovers of money, boast for proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutals, despising what is good. That is the, the culture of the Antichrist. Yesterday, your phones all blew up like mine about El Paso. Lord, oh God, be with them, help them above all that they would know Jesus the savior of the world, right? They live to be a hundred and they know not Christ. They have nothing. That's what Jesus said. So I just, you know, the reason I don't we don't pray as a group about all the different events that are going on in our culture and our world is because literally I would stand up here and do that almost every week, wouldn't I? We we would. Because 2 Timothy, you see it fulfilled and that affects every part of our lives. You can tell that it's the culture of of almost an antichrist, like, I have no sanctity for human life. That's what that person did. Zero comprehension of the sanctity of human life. Thankfulness is the first step. We as Christians are going to be lights when we're thankful. Amen? We're going to be thankful for people, for relationships, and we'll shine like a city on a hill. Let's keep looking here. Verse 5. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord and toward all his all, toward all the saints. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord. This is a man who has a true relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a person whose life is focused on people, but not first this is a man whose life is focused on ministry and people, but not first, nor ever can it be. Correct? His life is focused on his relationship with Jesus Christ. His life is propelled by his relationship with Jesus Christ, not all these other things. Hearing of your love and your faith toward the Lord Jesus, then toward all the saints. That is the fulfillment of the first and second uh the two greatest commandments, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. He just personified Philemon as fulfilling those in his life. Number two on your notes. Relational health flows and only flows from your relationship with God. We cannot have healthy relationships until our hearts are right with the Lord, Right? We're sinners. We're lost. He has to fix us. We, don't eat, we can't even love people unconditionally without him. We receive it from him, and then we can have healthy relationships. The reason culture is the way it is is not because there's not enough self-help books. It's not because of all those issues. What's the issue? A departure and a stepping away from God, who is the giver of all good gifts, and that's why relationships suffer. According to James one, look at this, James 1:16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Everything that's good, everything that you love, if you have a good, pure relationship, it comes from Him. It must come from Him. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know, if we have the Lord in our relationships, like Paul had confidence with Philemon, you can deal with anything. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I could not think of an illustration for this. So I found something crazy that y'all would always remember. Let's look at this. you have God in your life, you can make a crocodile go down a water slide, okay? Everything flows if you have him. See, so y'all got to actually remember this. I thought of the Geico commercials, and I thought, you know, those crazy things stick in your head even when you don't want to, and there's a reason why. If you have Christ, if Christ is your goal, if he is above all your relationships, I don't care if it's trying to get a crocodile down a water slide, it can happen, amen? So, Let the crocodile go. Let's keep looking here. Number six. Verse six, excuse me. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, are literally like you've been doing, you've done, in Christ Jesus. So Philemon is well-known in this area. This is some backstory. Um, most of this you can find in the Bible. Some of it, some extra uh, biblical text. Philemon was wealthy. He had built a house. And then often they would just add to their house, add to their house. So all the historical accounts is that the, house, the, the church was connected to it, right next to it, and that he was a big philanthropist and that he supplied the needs of all the church of all his, of the church i mean he he funded it he did everything he could do in the ministry his son is a fellow soldier paul only used that term when he was talking about someone in full time ministry it seems to be his son is running the church a fellow soldier that's the term paul used so the picture here is he has consistently served led given of himself given of his talents as a as a successful businessman And all of that, Paul is saying, i tell you what, Philemon. You have just been consistent, godly, day by day, line upon line, verse upon verse, serving God, serving your family. His wife is mentioned and his son. That's actually uncommon. The reason his wife is mentioned is because in that day and age, the lady ran the house, which is good. That's I don't want to run my house. My wife's much better at it. She ran the house. So guess who would have been over Onesimus? Her. It's quite possible. Guess who stole? It may have been her stuff. Could have been her jewelry, whatever. So it was deeply personal. But the picture is, look at this, his whole family is loving God, loving the local church, and serving in ministry. So he's been very successful in this. How has he done all this? Number three on your notes. Influence is established. By consistent actions. Why has he become such an influential person? Consistent actions. He's not even the speaker, it seems. His son is. But his actions, his attitude, he has a good name. And and the ministry of the gospel is going forth, and Paul's saying, Look, I know how hard you've been working. And what I'm praying is that all of that hard work is going to translate in one thing, to the glory and praise of God. And people are going to begin to to see, you're going to begin to see the fruit of that ministry and that hard work. Look what Proverbs 22 says right here. Proverbs 22. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. Does that sound like our man? That's the guy we're talking about. That is our guy. I did youth ministry for years and years, y'all know that, when I was young. And because we did all of these camps all the time, we'd go to, you know, weekend retreats or all this. You go into all these different places, well, they get to know you, right? They get to know you as a leader, the camp does. They get to know the church name, right? And they get to know that group of kids. And now I'm going to tell you, I've talked to some of the the camp guys. I say, hey, guys, you know, tell me about this group. They're like, I'm sorry, that group can't come back anymore. Not our group. He's telling me a story. I'm like, this happened. They tried to blow up the cabin, and they all snuck out. I'm like, oh, man, you got a rough job. I thought I had a rough job. So I learned early on to put the fear of God in those kids, at least the name of the church I was working at, and that youth pastor who doesn't have any control over his kids, and they run running amok in the mountains or wherever I was. So what I would do is, especially my, you know, my last tenure was a big group, you know, 100 kids, 120 kids at camp. I'd bring them all together all in the foyer of the church. I'd stand up on the welcome center. i say, all right, kids, we're going to camp. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have fun. We're going to encounter God, all of that. They're all excited. Uh. I said, but you got to tell me the three people you represent. And so the new kids at camp are looking I'm like, what is he talking about? But the kids that had been there before, they said, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Who do you represent? We represent our family. That's right. What's your name? Joe Smith. The Smiths are going to have a good name or a bad one. Yes, sir. They're going to have a good name or a bad one. Who else do you represent? We represent this church. You are Victory Church this week. Victory Church is not going to do anything bad. They're not going to do anything dumb, right? Every once in a while they still did, but we had grace. Who else do you represent? God. We represent God. They, and I'd make them all repeat it. Just oh, and by the by, the end I didn't care. I was drill sergeant. Repeat it. Come on, one, two. Three, who is it? It's our family. It's this church. It's God. They knew it. They knew it. They knew it. Why? Because I knew that if we were going to have influence, we had to have consistent behavior. Amen. And Philemon had built this life on consistent behavior, and that's what we want. That's healthy relationships. That's how we have influence in our culture.
1: In our culture, in your home,
0: in your work, that's the way we do it. All right, let's keep looking here. Our last one, verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I love Paul's great. His I want to tell you, Philemon, what you have done, not only for your little group, but what's going on outside of that. The reason we also know that he was such a giving person is because he gave to other churches also. That's just the way he was. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed. I want to show you a scripture in 2 Corinthians nine, ten through 12. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. Look at this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Why and for what purpose? While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes what? Which causes what? Thanksgiving through us to God. Let's look at another one, a popular one, Matthew 16. I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 16. Look at this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And do this. Or maybe it's this. Or maybe it's this. However it is. The purpose of our works is totally different than the world. It has a totally different desire, outcome. We want something totally different for all of our works, every bit of ministry, every bit of missions, everything we do has a totally different purpose than the world. You have to understand that and get that deep into your heart because it'll keep you right whether the world thanks you or whether they don't. The purpose of, of everything we do, of everything Philemon did, number four on your notes, on your notes worship is the goal for our relationships. Everything we do is so others will worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's why we do this. It's the goal. It's everything we want. We don't need accolades. We don't care about that. It doesn't matter. What we want is the King of Kings to be lifted up and the Lord of Lords to be praised. Amen? That is what we want. He's ready. You want to come lead a song? You're ready, man. (laughs) He's so excited. He's like, I gotta start worship right now. <laughs> Taylor, you can come up. Let me end with a story. I have a lot of kids. Stories are all about kids all the time. We try to do a lot of family dinners. It's our goal as a home and a couple because we didn't do that as much. So we um, we obviously pray before dinner. We have none of our kids really want to pray except for Ellie. Ellie wants to pray all the time, 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 time, every time. She doesn't want me to pray. She wants to pray. So Ben will pray, but his are like nine words, and that's it, because there's food sitting in front of him. He's a dude, right? That's the way it is in life. So Ellie will pray, and she will take you on a journey. A journey of eating dinner with cold food. The journey of, Lord, I thank you for this and this, and this, and the dog, and that, and that. It's, it's more than a journey. It's an epic adventure you're going on. You better know how to pray and have patience if, if you ask her to pray. Now, not every time, but you never know with her. It may be short, and then she may just do a whole theological treatise of thanksgiving. But my goal for dinner is not just to feed my children. My goal is to produce people who are thankful that know that what we have is from him and it turns into oh lord oh lord you did this this what i have is this home this you did this that i can sit around with my children and my wife you did this you see in it The goal of our relationships is so the people around you worship more and worship greater. Worship earlier and worship longer. Amen? Let's stand up.
1: Ransom His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me, through the sun said.
2: You know, in preparing to close the service today, I knew we were talking about overall theme of forgiveness and how, in theory, it seems so easy to just say, I'm sorry. Forgiveness is so much deeper than that. And as I was praying, okay, Lord, how do we want to close out today? Um, I just felt like I needed to dive deep into what forgiveness is. Because we talked about identity with this song and I know in my life whenever, whenever I have an identity crisis whenever my identity is in <laughs> things that break and I can't afford them whenever my identity is in my own strength which I have very little when it's in screaming kids around the house it's just chaos but it's also easy for me to have an unforgiving heart whenever I'm in that chaos mode. I'm quick to anger and quick to speak. And what does the word say? He's slow to speak. Quick to listen. So I was going back in some notes about a class I took in worship school a few years ago on forgiveness. And I want to leave this right here today and leave this as a charge. Because I used to think I didn't have a forgiveness problem. (laughs) Then God got a hold of me and said, you do. So I want everybody to listen to this. Forgiveness is not denying sin against you. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling or saying, I'm sorry. What forgiveness is, is making a choice and willfully acting on that choice. And it's canceling a debt that is owed to us. And that goes right into Ephesians 4 verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. And I've learned that the the shower of blessings that God has in our life, when I have an unforgiving heart, when my identity is messed up, I bottle that, that pipeline up. Because our blessings come from Christ, are in Christ. So I just want to challenge you today, a quote that has helped me from the day I heard it a few years ago in school. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die. I'll say that again. Harboring forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die. Guys, forgiveness is not for the other party. It's for us. And who are we to harbor unforgiveness? Because I know for me, Christ has forgiven me from a multitude of sins, and he cast them as far as the east is from the west. Amen? Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, for for seasons of healing, for seasons of newness and beginnings in relationships, God, in my own life, with my own spouse, with my own children, with my my father, with my friends, Lord. Lord, start here. Lord, I pray that this church, Father, that we become a healthy church full of healthy relationships both in this building and out of this building, because it is our job to go seek and save those that are lost. Lord, if we harbor those the, the unforgiveness in our life, Lord, that will hinder us, Lord. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. Lord, as we go this week, our separate ways, God. Teach us, Lord. Grow us. And help us to never forget that we can only love because you loved us first and because you gave us grace on top of grace on top of grace. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. What an awesome time of worship. Go with God and have a fantastic week.